As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, we've got a special Wizards After Dark going for you today. So it's around, it's Friday afternoon right now, and on the Skype line... I have, uh, in my opinion, as great of an NBA beat writer as there is in the industry, someone who I uh, I had the privilege of co-authoring a piece with for this morning, covers the Trailblazers for us, Jason Quick. What's going on, Matthew? <laughs> how how sick now, are do you your, do your of my voice right know now? About Matthew? They, it's been said. I'm not- it's been yeah. said on the pod. I think the longtime listeners probably know for sure because uh, <laughs> Candace Buckner was the first person to mention it on the podcast. I had her on on like I think maybe the first ever episode Candace came on and uh, she she blew the lid off of that story. And I think other people have referenced it too. <laughs> like Vinny, Vinny Goodwill, I've definitely had on podcasts of mine before. I forget if he's been on this one specifically. Vinny Goodwill would have said it. Uh, I think the longtime listeners know know that my real name is yeah. Matthew. Yeah, and that nobody. But no, calls me I'm that. not sick of your voice. I'm not sick of your voice because I really enjoyed working on this project with you, and uh, you know, you're the one who kind of planted the seed for this. Uh, you woke me up one morning and wanted to talk about Damian Lillard and his All Star snub experience and kind of how that related to Brad and uh, we kind of got to talking and we, we started noticing that, you know what, there's a connection here between these guys. And, uh, and I started kind of probing Dame about it and we kind of started realizing that there was something there. And so it was really fun to kind of discover uh, how these guys have gotten to know each other and what they've talked about. And I, I really think they are, like-minded uh as far as their goals and how they view their role in helping their organizations yeah so if if you haven't seen the story yet it went up on friday morning on the athletic if you're not a subscriber to the athletic and you just so happen to listen to the podcast you can go read this story if you go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark you can sign up for a full subscription to the athletic for only 3.99 a month as you might have heard me say on this podcast before. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
the process of writing this was really interesting because I, I feel like some stories and, and the stories about the relationship between Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal and how so much of it is based on their mutual appreciation for each other and their mutual appreciation for how they kind of they each handle their own business with wanting to stay with you know one franchise for as long as viably possible and uh you know one of the things i think is interesting is that you know sometimes you'll you'll hear a comment or you know you'll you'll be having a conversation with dame maybe or maybe i'll be having a conversation with brad and they'll say something to you and you'll think oh that's a story and so you know what the story is going into it and what's kind of funny is when we first spoke on the phone for this thing it was a completely I didn't even, it wasn't even a story. It was just going to be a nugget in my Bradley Beal is starting the all-star game story because I was wondering if Damian Lillard said anything about getting snubbed. If if you remembered any notable Damian Lillard comments about him getting snubbed, you know, a few years back and then eventually making it because the same thing happened with Bradley Beal last year. He was the famous snub from all-star and then he's starting this year. And I wanted to see if there were any parallels because I, I knew I knew Brad had this great appreciation for Lillard because I've I've heard him talk about it before. And it's not so much the words that he says about him uh, until this piece of course when he really really went into just mm-hmm. how much he appreciates and respects that guy. But you could tell from the way that he talks about him that that he kind of marvels over not just Dame's game but the way he conducts himself and there's he just clearly is a he's almost like a Damian Lillard super fan from afar. And it's uh it's it's just really interesting and and honestly refreshing to hear an NBA player talk about a guy who really is his truly his competition and his competition in terms of trying to make all NBA and all those sorts of things. Hear a guy talk about another NBA player who is his competition with that kind of um you know just revering him to that degree, you know? Totally. And it's mutual. Um, one of the parts that we didn't shoehorn into the story was, you know, Dame is very adamant that, hey, during games, I don't talk to opponents. I, I just don't. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but it's just not how I am. I don't talk to opponents. But Bradley, I'll talk to him. And he mentioned Bradley and DeMar DeRozan. Like it's, and that's a respect level because he identifies with them. He, he appreciates them. Um, but with, with Dame, when, it, when he talks about other NBA players, it's the full package that he really looks at, you know, as a player, as a teammate, and also as a person, how they handle their business, how they carry themselves. Dame's very big on that, you know, about respect and being about the right things. And he clearly identifies that with Brad. I mean, they were in the same draft class, uh, you know, spent time together at the rookie transition. And I think that's kind of where it really started, but uh, it's really cool to see two high level players have such a mutual respect and uh, talk about meaningful things. Yeah. And and another thing we didn't shoehorn in there as well, which I think is interesting, is that like I don't they're not, you know, like Brad is unbelievably close with Jason Tatum, for example. Right. 
right. know, they've, they've known each other since they were kids. You know, I, this is what Brad told me. Brad told me that one of the reasons that Jason Tatum went to Chaminade College Prep was because Brad was older than him and Tatum really looked up to him. And Tatum chose that school because he looked up to Brad so much and wanted to go to the same school as him. And, you know, that's how long they've known each other. That's when Tatum is choosing, I think Chaminade starts in sixth grade, seventh grade. I mean, that's when he's choosing his middle school. You know, that's how long those guys have known each other. And they're still unbelievably close. And, you know, I, you know, Jake King and I could probably write a Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal lifelong friendship story. It would look very different from this one. You know, I, I feel like this kind of really, this isn't that this isn't that this is, you know, Beal said, and one of the things that, you know, I mentioned off the top, how we kind of kept peeling back this with each with each stage of reporting this, right? You know, it wasn't until I mm-hmm. I got Brad on the phone earlier this week and he mentioned that we knew they had conversations about loyalty and about what it was like to stay with this, you know, the same team and all of that. We didn't necessarily know the specifics and you know, Brad mentions when I'm on the phone with him earlier this week that yeah, Damian Lillard was one of the people I hit up when I was thinking about signing that extension. Uh Right. You know, he's, I wanted to get his advice. What was it like going through a rebuild? So it's almost like they're, I don't want to say that Dame is a mentor for Brad because it's, it's very clear that they're peers, but you you know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, Brad, it's almost like Brad is the big brother to Tatum. There's, there's a very big brother, little brother thing. And with Dame and Brad, you mentioned same draft class, more similar ages, more similar stages of life. They're both dads, you know? Uh, I think there's, there's more of that, like, all right, you've gone through it. You're going through what I'm going through in the same stage of life, in the same exact stage of our careers. Like, I want to get this advice from somebody whom I really respect. Right. These aren't, these aren't, this is not a relationship where they're like necessarily going out to dinner when they're in each other's towns, but I think it, there's just such a deep level of respect. And I, I think they're, I don't know Brad very well, but I, I follow what he's about. And, you know, I read his quotes and, and listen to him. And I see a lot of Dame in him. I mean, I, he seems like a, uh, an exceptional young man who's got his priorities right. He's grounded, he's humble. Uh, and, so I, I I think they gravitate toward each other because they have so many similarities and they have such a similar outlook. Um, so it, I th- I think it's a strong relationship, but I don't think it's a buddy buddy. Let's go to dinner. Let's go clubbing. Let's go on vacation together. It's more of a professional type relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you did you have anything that we didn't put in this story? that you, you feel like, I, I wish we had found a way to work that in, or I feel like, I feel like this would have worked or like, do you, do you have any, any quotes, any, anything that we found in this story that you're like, I, that could have been good. God, Matthew, I'm my, I'm so brain dead right now. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, I, I feel like I exhausted pretty much everything I had with that. Um, I don't know. I like the, 
I think the one part I I mentioned earlier, you know, like Brad is one of the few guys that he will interact with between the lines. And I, I kind of thought that was interesting. Um, so I've got, I've got one. Yeah. Tell I'll, me, I'll save this for another story, but who cares? I'll say it on the podcast. Um, you know, I asked him cause over, over the off season, one of the big things that Brad worked on, and this was just technical basketball stuff. So I just, it's not pertinent to the story at all. I don't regret not putting it in, but I just really enjoyed the quote. Uh, but over the off season, something that I spoke about with Brad's trainer, Drew Hanlon, is that he he really made a focus where he's trying to get better at deep threes. And he hasn't really implemented it into his game as much as I thought he would coming into the year. He, every once in a while, but you know, it's not like Dame where it's just like you have to guard him out to 30. And if you don't, he's taking that shot and he's going to hit game winners like the one he hit against Golden State the other night on those, you know, 30 foot step backs all the time. It's it's not that. And one of the things that Brad did when when he was working on on that over the offseason with Drew Hanlon was was he looked at a bunch of damn deep threes. And he was talking about how he was just marveling about it. And he said to me, uh, that's a big nuts shot. And I loved that. <laughs> I loved him calling it a big nuts shot. It is in- incredibly huge nutted shot. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. He also said to me that, you know, Brad's not big on, you know, I always thought the biggest difference between Beal and Wall in terms of their preparation approach is that John Wall is the biggest league pass fiend you will ever meet in your entire life. Like he has three televisions set up in his living room, just side by side, and he puts on three games at once and retains them. I bet I, I bet you Dame rivals him because Dame watches nearly every game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys. Who I don't like know that. about three TVs at once. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing. It's it is. It's incredible. He retains it too. Like I, I think Kyle Lowry is like that. I don't know Kyle Lowry, but from what I've read, I remember reading about Kyle Lowry being like that. I mean, there are a lot of players who who sit around and I mean, basketball is their love. It's their passion and it's their profession. You know, it's it's homework and that's how they consume yeah. the game. And for for Wall, I think it's really more that it's just it's his love. He just loves hoops so much, and and so with him, it's not even just watching NBA. Like you can talk to him about high school recruiting, boys or girls high school recruiting, boys or girls or, or men's or women's, um, you know, college game, WNBA, NBA. Right. It's it's wild. I mean, he's gonna break down like coverages for you and stuff in in any league. It's 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 crazy because he's just always watching basketball. Brad, he doesn't watch that much. And so he says the way that he tries to get better is by watching film on himself and seeing what he can do better. Mm-hmm. And he says the other great players who he'll watch and he'll try to take moves where he said there were only three of them. And he said, it's Dame, it's James Harden, and it's Stephen Curry. And he said he feels like Dame is is the guy who he feels like he can uh, mimic a little bit more because Harden's body control uh, around the hoop and his size is, is kind of different from his. Uh, 
and he was just marveling over Steph and basically just said that things that Steph does are just not replicable, replicable. Like he flatly said, I can't do that. Just shooting from those right. angles and that kind of stuff, you know, cause Steph kind of has that Pat Mahomes thing. And so, and so the Lillard stuff carries over to the court too, with the way that he tries to learn from him. And, and he said he was just laughing as he watched his real of deep threes on whatever the heck they were watching it on and just seeing how he was able to hit those ridiculous shots and how balanced he was on those shots and really tried to copy his balance from those shots. And I thought as a basketball nerd, I just thought talking that level of detail and kind of how he tried to learn from other NBA players was, I just thought it was really interesting. doesn't work yeah. for this story. thought you know, it was super interesting. Right. And you know what? Uh, I'm sure if you ask Dame about that, like Dame is really, I don't want to say defensive about the topic of his deep shots, but he wants people to know that there is a ton of work that goes into taking 32, 33 foot shots in a game. Uh, He has worked on that for probably about two years now. And, you know, he hit the, the famous game five series clinching uh, shot against Oklahoma city. And, and Paul George said, that's a bad shot. And that irritated Dame so much um, because he had worked on this. And it was funny a couple days after that game five game winning shot, I'm just sitting at home on the couch and I get a text from Dane and all it is, is a picture of him in an empty Oklahoma city arena, taking a 37 footer from exactly that shot, that spot where he hit it, uh, you know, a week later in Portland and, and his, his intent there was, this doesn't just happen. I was working on that, you know, the night before a game in Oklahoma city, at night, you know, there's a lot of work that went into taking those types of shots. And uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. But I think Dame would tell anyone who asks him, you know, if you want to do, if you want to add that to your game, it's going to take a lot of work. You just don't go out there and start firing 37 footers, 30 footers. It, it takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of repetition. That is amazing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. 
Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. It's it's amazing how competitive some of these guys are. I mean, it's why they get so successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. It's incredible. And, and you know, it's funny because Beal is very competitive too. You'd be hard pressed to find a NBA all-star who is not competitive and, and Beal is so competitive. And so one of the things that, you know, I thought was important to hammer home in the piece we wrote was, which you obviously know is, is that, you know, this isn't Beal committing to staying in DC, no matter what this is him saying, and we, I've, I've said it before. I've written it before. I wrote it in the piece that I wrote with Shams about a month ago or so. This is this is Beal saying he'd rather win in DC than win elsewhere. That's what he believes. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he'd rather lose for the rest of the time. And you know, it's it's these two kind of bits of his personality that and I don't think we need to frame wanting to stay with one franchise as a moral, by the way, I think we can just frame it as a personality characteristic. Cause I yeah. think that's how those guys would do it more. So too, it's not like these guys are out there knocking people for changing teams. That's not the case at all. And so with, with Beal, I think he's kind of fighting between these two things uh, and these two kind of uh, personality characteristics that are at his core, which is wanting to stay with one team. He flatly says in the piece, he thinks it's more meaningful to fight through a title uh, or fight through kind of uh, the tough times with one organization and then eventually win. He think that's more meaningful than, you know, jumping elsewhere and winning in another place. I know he loves that Dirk Nowitzki title in, in Dallas. He he absolutely adores that title and he really, really has incredible amounts of respect for Dirk as well, because Dirk is another guy who's very much of this mindset and who, who fought through and is of a different generation, but fought through and, and, you know, he's, he's the best case scenario for something like this. He got his title and he led his team there with a remarkable playoff run and, and, and he did it. And most people who try to do this don't actually end up accomplishing the goal. Dirk, Dirk did. Uh, And so one of the things that I'm curious with you is I, I still, I don't know if Bradley Beal is going to be a wizard next year, let alone, I mean, I think he'll be with them past the all-star or past the trade deadline. I don't know if he's what's going to happen this summer. I don't know what's going to happen when he hits free agency in 2022. I just, I, I don't know. I can't predict it. So much of it depends on the wizard's success. So much of it depends on whether the wizards are willing to trade him, which right now they're absolutely not. Game signed his supermax in the summer of 2019. I'm wondering, like, what was your feel in like 2017? How how much do you feel like Dame on his side? And I'm not saying what Dame does means that's what Brad does. I'm just I'm just wondering because these guys do seem like they operate similarly, and I don't really know what your answer is going to be. Like, what what was your feel for for whether Dame was going to stay in Portland for the long haul leading up to that signing? Oh, I was very confident because uh, Dame has been pretty transparent uh, about what was important to him. And 
there's something about the process that really attracts him and it's the building and you know there he's not afraid of the grind and the the low points and he appreciates what's going on around him and and I think he had a really great sense of that and he's he has a sense of gratitude to the organization that drafted him because he was not, you know, he's coming out of Weber state and, and yeah, he, he created some buzz in the combine, but it wasn't a given that he was going to be uh, a high pick, you know? Uh, I mean, shoot, he went sixth and, you know, uh, so there was a certain level of appreciation for the Blazers drafting him uh, to coach Stotts for starting him and trusting him and living with his mistakes, giving him the freedom to make the mistakes. And then the way that Portland embraced him, uh, he has felt that. And so all of that combined, he feel not an obligation, but he, he has an appreciation for it and he wants to give back and reward that. So, and he was very clear about that. And then also, I think he saw the backlash in 2015 of LaMarcus Aldridge leaving. And, you know, LaMarcus building up to that was saying things in public like, I want to be the greatest blazer of all time and my legacy matters and all that. And then, boom, he left for San Antonio. And uh, that did not sit well with people in Portland. And I, I think Dame kind of from afar observed that and I don't know that it shaped him because I think he, he was already had his kind of uh, approach already pretty well set in him but I, I think he took he took notice of it for for sure um, so I, I I never thought that Dame was at any point in his nine years in Portland has had an eye looking elsewhere, even though people want to, uh, you know, infer that he is looking elsewhere or that he should, you know, it was so funny as we were putting the, the bow on our story, uh, last night, you know, you texted me the Stephen A. Smith pontificating that Damian Lillard should go to New York or whatever he said. I didn't even listen to it, but you know, and that's been going on for nine years with Dame pretty much, or maybe seven. Uh, but he's never, I've never, ever felt like he has let his eye wander away from Portland. It's interesting. It is interesting. And the yeah. difference is Dame's had more success in Portland than Beal has had at least Definitely. in the last few years in Washington. You know, people kind of forget with the Wizards, they they made the playoffs four out of five years. They won a playoff series in three of those years. They, you know, 2017, they come one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. Beal has had some really, really good playoff moments. He killed it in game seven against Boston, that eventual loss uh, when they came a game away from the Eastern Conference from the Eastern Conference Finals. Like it's it's not like they've had no playoff success. They're not the the Timberwolves. They've just they've never been a title contender. They've never ended up making the Eastern Conference Finals, so they've come close. Uh, and they've always kind of been the when they come close, they're they're the team that would be this the secondary one. They're the non-LeBron team that ends up going there essentially. Uh, you know, they they had a chance to be the the Hawks in the second round in fifteen, and John Wall breaks his hand, and they've they've yeah. had 
they've had playoff success. It it's just really it's been Eastern Conference level playoff success, and they haven't won fifty games, and they haven't had the highs that Lillard has had in making a conference finals, and 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 more importantly. They've really had lows over the last three years, and and that is the note on which Beal is dealing with as he approaches free agency in a year and a half. So I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see what happens. But don't you don't you think too that you know it means something more? I think to these guys when you are the man of the franchise. No like question. Brad Brad shared it with with Wall for a while. Dame shared it with LaMarcus for a while, but when it's, when you are the man, when it's your franchise, it's a reflection upon you, your, your success or your failures of the franchise. It's a, it's a reflection of you, or at least I think that's how they view it. Uh, And so if they left, that is also a reflection that I'm bailing on something or I didn't get it done here. So I need to go somewhere else. You understand what I'm saying? That that is, I think, I think how Dame views th- this type of stuff. Like anything that happens with the Trailblazers, on or off the court, Dame has an incredible amount of ownership on that, and it, he feels like it's a reflection of him. So uh, that's one reason, one of many reasons why I think he's intent on sticking this out because he wants to be able to wrap his arms around a title and say, I've had a lot to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have a sense that Brad takes a little, ha- has a greater sense of ownership too. Now that, that John has left and he probably wants to put his footprint on it. Yeah. I mean, that's true. One of the reasons that Brad and John had, I mean, I think part of the reason that Brad and John people talk about do they have a good relationship or a bad relationship that it's such a reductive way to look at a relationship between two people. In reality, they were competitive on the basketball side. I think they had a good relationship as human beings. And one of the things that was competitive about their basketball relationship was I think they both wanted to be number ones because they're both really competitive people. And so they'd get competitive about that. And I've heard stories and written stories about you know, they both show up to training camp and and I want to say it was it was the 2018 season. It was the year John tore his, tore his Achilles. They show up to training camp, not even training camp, but those, you know, workouts, those optional workouts that they have at their facility. And they both show up and Wall had been hurt the previous year and Beal had taken a leap with him out. That was the everybody eats season. And they were playing on different teams in the pickup games when they were scrimmaging and they were going out at it they were going so hard at each other according to people who were there and everybody there says yeah well it's because they both wanted to show they were the best player on the team it's not like they were fighting they were just really competitive basketball players who wanted to be the number one so i i think brad has wanted to be the number one guy in an organization and has felt that he has that he's capable of being the number one guy in an organization for a long time. I mean, I'll, I'll read this quote. This is what he said to me. 
He said about this, he said this about him and Dame to me this week. He said, we feel like we're in a position to where we have some type of power and control to where the organization is deciding to build around you. Like that doesn't happen every day. And you know that there's only 30 teams. That's kind of unicorn type shit. You know what I'm saying? Not many guys could say who they want on their team. Not many guys have the opportunity to have a team built around them. So you can't just overlook those things. So I think it's very clear that he totally buys into that too. And you know what? Like, who the hell wouldn't? Doesn't every really good player, like, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say doesn't every, because there are definitely some people who like being a number two, who feel the comfort of being a number two, who like playing next to a lightning rod. Uh, you know, K- KD, I remember, had had a quote shortly after he went to the Warriors, and he said, I don't need to be a leader. I, I just kind of want to hoop. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, I just think there are different ways of going about this. And uh, and I think this, you know, Brad and, and, and Dame seem to have, you know, the same way. I would agree. I would agree. You know, I, I think one difference maybe is that Dame is really careful about how he uh, dips his toe into the management side or his input with Neil Olshay because he realizes that these are lives at stake here, livelihoods. And he doesn't want to be saying, I don't want this guy, I want this guy, or I want this guy, and that means he's going to take this guy's job. Uh, he's very protective of that and but by that same token he does give input you know he's relayed to me that Olshay will give him a list of players and have him like circle who he thinks fits uh, in the Blazers system or who he to play alongside or play with and that's about the extent but Dame is very careful not to um, mess with people's livelihoods by saying, I want this guy, or we should go after this, uh, person. So, um, so there is, there is some, as Brad was talking about some power in having a say and input on roster moves, but Dane wants to draw a line where, you know, he kind of knows his place and he'll give input, but not demands or suggestions. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And a lot of, you know, Russell Westbrook went through this in Oklahoma City. I mean, he had maybe more control of that organization after KD left than maybe any other player in the league. LeBron notoriously has a lot of control when whenever he's yeah. part of your organization, whether it's the Cavs, whether it's the Lakers. Hell, he left Miami, for, I'm sure for a number of reasons. Yeah. But part of it was that and, Pat Riley didn't want to relinquish all that control, you know? Yeah. And I- and I think Dame could. If Dame wanted to be like LeBron and demand, he certainly could. He has that kind of cachet to do that. But kind of, you know, what the underlying thing in our story with Brad and, and Dame is these guys are a little different in how they approach that, that they don't want you know, it, it, it's not about finding the easy way out or uh, 
I don't even want to put it that way, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like they, uh, they are not trying to force their way into a better opportunity. They want to build something. I, I think. Yeah, I think that is true. I feel comfortable saying that. Um, any yeah. anything else that that we want to add before we wrap this thing up? No, Matthew. I just want <laughs> like at least a day or two that I don't have to talk to you. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Uh, you can leave a review of Wizards After Dark. You can go to iTunes, give us five stars. You can write a review. Those are always super helpful. Uh, before I plug anything else, I also want to say uh, Jason is great at his job. And uh, he wrote another incredible piece on, on Damian Lillard earlier this week. Uh, just about the family tragedies that Lillard has gone through. And I just think Lillard is he's such a compelling person. Um, and it's such a kind of heartbreaking story. It really, you should take your time and make sure you're in the right mood. Take your time and sit down and read that piece if you're a subscriber to The Athletic. Because it's, it's just an unbelievable read. So check out that piece. Subscribe to The Athletic and so you can read those pieces. So you can read the piece that we've been talking about for the last 35 minutes. And you can hear everything <laughs> you want to hear about what Bradley Beal has to say about loyalty and what Damian Lillard has to say about the same topic. You can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and you can sign up there for $3.99 a month. And that gets you everything. Gets you MLB. You're not just going to get this story. It gets you NBA coverage and NFL coverage and WNBA coverage and everything else that we cover. You are going to have a subscription for us. So just go to theathletic.com/slash/wizards-after-dark and you can sign up for three ninety nine a month. I am obviously biased, but I think it is worth the price. I was a subscriber before I worked here, and uh, it was very worth it. So check that out. I will be back with another episode previewing the second half of the season early next week, probably Monday morning. I'll talk to you guys then.